We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike, no Darius tonight. Uh, and we just finished watching the first Lakers game of the season. Uh, if you woke up this morning and did not watch the game, you're going, damn, Lakers lost by 30. And they did. But it was certainly a tale of two halves. Lakers were up by five at halftime in certainly not a... a Beautiful half of basketball, Mike, but it's one of my favorite parts of the year is that's when we get our first impressions of a new team. We've spent the last six months kind of theorizing about what this team would be, what it might look like, what they might do. And this was our first impression. And I always... I, I I always put some degree of value in first impressions. And so you were there. I, I'm curious what it looked like on the ground. Uh, again, very much a tale of two halves. The first half, Lakers are up five. They got smoked in the second half. We'll, we'll touch on that later as well. But just that first little bit went on a 12 to three run to, to start the game. And uh, it, it was fun to start out. Yeah, I think, Pete, I would start with Anthony Davis, actually. Because so when you're looking at Sacramento, I don't love a team that's going to start a player like Sabonis at the five. Uh, I think that that just puts you in a real hole defensively um, as a, a team in the unit. And so even though the Lakers, you know, they're starting Damian Jones, obviously at center, but Anthony Davis is on the floor and AD is one of the players that Sabonis just isn't going to be able to do a lot with right on either end. He certainly isn't going to be able to match up on defensive end. And then when AD is on the floor, that's going to limit some of what Sabonis is good at, which is kind of like the uh, little putback shots, little, the, the paint catches that he likes to get just adjacent mm-hmm. to the paint, like the face, it, the face up, like there's always going to be that extra body there. So I thought that was part of the story early in the game when the Lakers got off to that nice run. So they give up a three to Herder, then they go on a 12 ball run and AD is certainly attracting attention. And this is while Pete, he's not, this is not like peak AD. It's not like he's attacking the rim, you know, and being super aggressive, just his mere presence on the court, I think is such a, a floor raiser. So that's where I would start. And, you know, 
in ter- here, let me kick that to you yeah. before I get to my next points because I'm curious what you saw, and I know you've already rewatched the game as we record this at like midnight. <laughs> um, I just got home a little bit ago. So what did AD look like to you early? So I have only rewatched the first quarter at this point, um, but his uh, his defensive rebounding was really the thing that stood out. I think that we are in a perilous position overall in terms of of our defensive rebounding, but having him being able to drop down from the fourth spot and be able to board a bit, it it was Jones really banging with Sabonis a lot. And that was something that that's one of my bigger question marks about Jones is can he handle kind of those more physical guys and Sabonis for, I agree with your, your point about having him defensively at the five, but he's a really good rebounder on both ends of the floor. And he's exactly the type of guy that would be a challenge to, to Jones. And so the fact that Jones absorbed that a bit and uh i think that allows ad to be that guy that drops down from the perimeter and cleans up and i think we saw that with 11 rebounds in the first half i think he we're going to see a lot of him uh on the defensive boards for this team more so than other areas so the new thing in this lineup other than you know the small amount of time that we've seen jones and we can talk about the centers later i thought they were a little bit underwhelming but kendrick nunn had a nice start to the game. So the first thing he does, mm-hmm. catch and shoot three off a great play by AD, um, where he sucks the defense in, makes the right read. And Nunn just confidently confidently gets the ball up and it looks pure and goes in. It's like that kind of play that we just didn't see a ton of early mm-hmm. last season, it seemed like, right? Whoever else was in that spot. And it started with Baysmore. Like, so offensively, having a confident, competent scorer next to Russ in LeBron and AD, regardless of the the play that they're getting from the center spot, I do think that that is a little upgrade just in its own right. Um, is that enough to make a, a massive difference? I'm not sure, but none, I thought, looked pretty good physically and just in general. I I think like he's a real NBA player, right? Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of play guys play tonight that aren't necessarily going to get real NBA minutes, but right. none is a real NBA player. Whether or not he's good enough to be a starter on a good team, I'm not sure, but he's a real NBA player. Yeah, he had a couple of nice moments, like you said, uh, had that nice play with AD. And that's something that I've really been looking forward to is that handoff action with AD and Nunn. Um, they ran a lot of handoffs in Miami with Bam, and that's something that Nunn is very used to doing. And so seeing him and AD in that action and get a wide open corner three, it was just ah beautiful, right? And that was one of the things it was it was funny to see the outline of what the team could be, Mike. And then they started as the game uh, goes on, and this is going to happen happen as you're uh, implementing a new system. Maintaining the proper architecture of the offense is important uh, in that, like, you know, there's a bunch of if the guy drives this way, you do this. If he drives that way, you do that. And if you don't do that, guys start kind of running into each other and it can drift into kind of chickens with their heads cut off type of offense if you're not spaced properly and making the right decisions. And so Seeing that organization at the beginning was was great, even though it drifted a little bit away from that. Yeah. And of course, it drifted because the substitution patterns, which in preseason game number one are particularly frenetic, uh, guys were going in and out often and Mm -hmm. none of them have played together before. And so that that was what I thought got where the game started to go in that direction. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the second half is a whole nother story, but I thought like the bench group played pretty well together. Yeah, tell me about, talk to me about that. They've got a whole different identity than the starters. So the first thing is Patrick Beverly doing Patrick Beverly stuff. And early when he was in there, (laughs) I think this is where we got the the first Darius text 
And I won't use the exact words that Darius used, but it was when Beverly drew that uh, that foul on Mitchell uh, when Mitchell and then immediately goes and complains to the ref like what what do you mean he initiated the contact <laughs> with me right and Beverly uh-huh. just walks the free throw line right the, the two points that if I were if I were on the opposing sideline would be trying to get in on the TV broadcast to make a point about how annoying it was but not say it in those <laughs> words you know so but when you know can I describe what happened on that play just because I, I just yeah. watched it I was laughing about this because you uh, we're doing a sideline or you you were doing one of the hits where the game's going on. Right. But you hear your disembodied voices, the actions going on. And you were musing about Pat Bev just drawing these four like, well, those two free throws were BS in particular, but drawing these four free throws like, oh, you guys are in the bonus. And that's exactly what it was. It was like, oh, here's some cheap points that we can get. Right. And that is what Pat Bev does. That's the one Chris of the Paul ways you special. win. Exactly. And so on that particular play, he was standing in the corner and I think it was it was either Jones or Bryant. I think it was Bryant setting the down screen for him. And Davion Mitchell was guarding him. And Mitchell is a super aggressive on ball defender. I actually like the Kings a little bit. They got a, a few guys I like uh, it, that can pressure the ball and jump passing lanes. And Interesting. They have, I mean, they have a few guys I like. I like Keegan Murray, but I don't like the team. I, I get the well, I don't like the fit. But. It's re- it's relative, right? Like I don't know in their in their sphere, like their mantra is like we're going to win forty games this year, and that's going to be the best year they've had yeah, in a rel- long time. Relative to the sixteen year playoff drought, you mean? Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I I like them. They're my like they're one of my like bad young teams that like I don't know. They're they're kind we're, of fun. They're, we're going to see where you have them ranked when we do our Western Conference pod. Uh, oh, this they're week. they're not going to be ranked very high, right? I just, <laughs> okay, but you still like them. Okay, well, uh, yeah, that shows you how how good the NBA is right now, though, right? Like for even sure. some of the teams at the bottom are still kind of fun and exactly. still kind of fun. And yeah. and they play some defense. I was really impressed by Sacramento's defense tonight. Um, and so uh, Mitchell, super aggressive defender, and so. He knows that this down screen's coming and he's going to fight over the top of it. And Pat Bev, who even told you the other day, like, why would I cut to the basket? Pat Bev decides to curl the screen when he would never, like, if he were trying to score, actually do that. But he knows that Mitchell is going to shoot that gap and run right into him. And that's exactly why Mitchell is complaining about that. So I was just cracking up about that, like, first little introduction to like, oh, these are cheap Pat Bev points. I can get behind this. Well, and then he does, he has a couple of non-cheap uh, moments where he hit a three and then mm-hmm. he threw an alley-oop to Juan Toscano Anderson. And he there was a play that, well, I don't even know if you noticed in the rewatch, but when Keegan Murray checked in, and by the way, he got cooking in the second half. And he's he's, he's a nice really player. good. He's part of the reason why I liked him. Yeah. But the first shot that he took was, I thought, so I saw, here's how I saw it. Patrick Beverly had just checked into the game. I think it was his first defensive possession. And I can't remember who he was guarding at the time, but he's, you know, he's watching it's ball and man. Right. And so he's right in the middle and he's not too far off of the shooter, but he's kind of inching towards. And when he notices that Murray is not even going to look up, but he's just going to try to score, he mm-hmm. helps. He, he makes this like move towards uh, Murray and Murray just kind of feels him and he rushes his shot and misses it to the left. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the kind of thing, again, there's no stat for that, but that's the kind of thing that Beverly is going to do. And I just think that it helps towards winning. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was one for five, right? He, he, in the first half, he had way too many, and he didn't play in the second half, he had way too many possessions where he was like trying to be the point guard, mm-hmm. when, you know, which doesn't always go the best. Um, but just his presence out there, Pete, I think is valuable. Uh, and And I think that the lineups that he's, 
that he's in and the guys that he's with are going to benefit from that. I think so too. And I think that the way those look will probably look different when Dennis Schroeder is in the mix. Um, I, I think that group probably needed another ball handler or and this is this is something that's been on my mind tonight is Austin looked a little out of place to me in that whole like blink first impression like those units he ran a lot with Pat Bev and he was in the corner a lot and those units needed like one more ball handler Austin I remember last year I, it was like shoot the ball Austin that was one of the the mantras and this is going to be a team where with as many guards as it has like You've got to be aggressive. He had one play where he had a turnover and it was like a pick six for uh, either Fox or Mitchell. I thought he got fouled on the arm on that. And then uh, on on the next play, they're picking him up full court and he drives and has a sweet like fakes high, passes low to Wenyon for a dunk. Like that's the Austin that I really want to see because if not, he can fade too much in the background. And I'm worried about that with him on this team just after watching one time. No, totally. And this is where... So I thought to, to add one more player into this, and I want to get back to Austin. I liked when you Gabriel, and, and I know you did too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. In in his his athleticism and his just activity gave the Kings some problems uh, in that first half, and and he was a reason why you know they were able to like the Kings drew the game a little closer in the early second quarter, and then he mm-hmm. was part of that group that kind of got the Lakers back in front, and but. Lost within that, as you just alluded to, is Austin Reeves. And to me, Reeves is at his best when he's like the fifth guy in a pretty good unit. And mm. he can use his brains. He can use his his energy, his kind of varied skill sets that might come up in a certain possession or not. And so, which means LeBron, AD, right? Maybe, as you mentioned, another ball handler. But I don't like him as much in the, especially in the second half when it's like the summer league lineup where those are not the spots where he's going to shine, sure. right? He like he's, he needs the other players out there um, to be playing at that level. And that just, you mentioned shooter earlier with shooter, not playing with Lonnie Walker, not playing with Troy Brown, Jr. not playing and us not getting a look at them yet that it started to feel like last season in a sense. And I think that's why fans, oh, that's even in the arena, absolutely were getting yeah. frustrated because it's just like, there are too many non and, and I don't mean non-NBA players, but non-like 10-man rotation type players. Mm-hmm. It's that same kind of three through eight. So this, it just, I thought the game overall, um, as to try to broaden this point a little bit, that's what it started to showcase as it went on. And and I think that it's it gets into that whole discussion we had this offseason about the lack of wing depth, right? And, you know, it, all of those things I thought came into play as the game went on. But that's not... I. It, even to start the regular season, right, with what mm-hmm. the injuries are right now, and, and Walker should be back for the next game. Mm-hmm. Brown, we'll see. Shooter will be, should get to the country soon. So adding two more players that are that are kind of competent NBA rotation players makes a big difference when you don't have to go down to the line. And that's not to say that like Max Christie and um, even uh, Swatter, who I thought did some nice things, right? That's he not did. to say that they can't contribute at a certain point. But when you get them out there and then you're, you know, playing Scottie Pippen Jr., it, it's just 
it's not yeah. even worth evaluating at that point. Well, yeah, the, with respect to the second half, we turned the ball over 18 times. That's a lot of turnovers for one game. And so when you turn the ball over 18 times in a half, if, if you think about it, we sat with sitting Russ, LeBron, AD, Pat Bev, Dennis Schroeder wasn't there, Lonnie Walker wasn't there. You could make an argument those are our best six ball handlers and certainly six of our best eight. And so I think Kendrick and, Nunn had – And Mike Brown is like – Want really wanting to win, as you said before the game, he's playing like guys like Davion Mitchell, right? Like, right so, they're a ball pressure yes. team. That's what they yeah. do. It's it's just one of those exactly. things where like the whole thing falls apart, and so we score twenty nine points and have eighteen turnovers. And so there's defensively, I was more unhappy with the second half on the defensive end than I was on the offensive end because the offense shouldn't have been functional under those circumstances. But defensively, that's where I thought things kind of broke apart a bit. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm not even I don't even know how much we need to spend on that because of what the personnel is right with the second half. You're, of course, right there. But that's why I want to get back to the first half for a second to throw to throw something at you. LeBron now couldn't care less that his shots. Right. He missed a couple threes. He missed a couple finishes inside that he usually scores on. Um, And I also don't want to judge too much out of. Game one, as he's going to play, as he said, probably like four preseason games. He says he's going to play more than last year when he played three. And I I just want to I'm trying to gauge what I saw in person and how he was moving with Darvin Ham's pregame quote, which is essentially he looks like the best athlete in the team still like the fast twitch, all that. And you know, and how LeBron is going to like, at what point are we going to look to see LeBron have a few possessions where he's sort of, you know, establishing that King part. And, and like, I don't think that it needed to be today. I'm just curious what it looked like for you live. And then when you watch LeBron back and, and just since we've talked about it so much this summer, like for what sure. uh, your initial impressions of how LeBron looks in year 20. He looked to me like a guy that was getting his first run in, in year 20 um, and was not looking to put his foot on the gas particularly hard. And so I will, if he looks like that, you know, in preseason game two, three, four, then yeah, I'll, I'll be a little more concerned, but I've seen this with him a couple of times and even AD as well, where that kind of like first preseason game or even, or more like first game back from injury, right? Like obviously their first preseason game together was great. That was the Warriors game, you know, AD had, I think, 17 and seven in the first quarter. Uh, But there have been a few times where as they first get on the court, Mike, that they're just kind of building up that sweat. That's what it looked like to me. Did it look like to you uh, like he was kind of in that mindset to you? No, I think I think that's right. And and I think that he I think that he even wanted he stayed in longer, you know, and sometimes I'm curious to see what Darwin's substitution pattern is going to be with LeBron because there have been times where LeBron likes to stay in for the longer shift. And then there have been other times where he'll come out earlier mm-hmm. so that he can close. And we don't know what that's going to be yet. But in this one, it looked like he wanted to get a good, you know, seven, eight, nine minute. Um, let's see. He played in the first quarter. He played yeah, eight minutes and 57 seconds, right? Which was basically two minutes longer than anybody else. Russ and AD both played seven thirteen, and he was winded. Um, after that nine minutes as well, he should be right. Because that's the first actual NBA run against a team that was playing pretty hard in the first quarter. So I agree. And he wasn't really the first several. So the first possession, he blew right past us. Who came over on the, uh, on the switch? I think it was, was it, 
Agpala or was it Barnes? He I blew, don't remember. Yeah, he blew straight past somebody, mm-hmm. um, got up kind of a lane to his right and just missed off the glass, right? A shot that he usually finishes. And then mm-hmm. and then he barely, you know, he just kind of stood in the corner for several possessions, right? So I think he was kind of like, all right, look, Russ, let's see what let's see what it looks like from you. Kendrick Nunn, let's see what you got. AD, you go be active. So mm-hmm. it, it's not that is not the approach that we'll, we will see from LeBron in the regular season opener. So I'm essentially just agreeing with you and I'm not going to take much if, if anything I'm out of this from LeBron. I just, I was kind of just locking in on, okay, how does the athleticism look? How does the speed look? And there weren't that many occasions to really judge it, to be honest. Well, like there were, there were more on defense. That was something that, that has, that did stand out. And at least rewatching the first quarter as I uh, have tonight is that a lot of his rotations and it, it's curious watching this defense in action is I think it's going to be really good for LeBron in, in that there was one play where LeBron, uh, like was it, LeBron dropped down into the paint. And then the ball got skipped to his man. So he closed out hard. And and LeBron's responsibility on that closeout is just to chase him off of the three-point line. Damian Jones rotates over and dumps two hands in the air. The ball gets dumped off. And then it's Anthony Davis behind him to contest the shot from, I think, Rashawn Holmes at the rim. And the late, you know, AD gets the defensive rebound. We get out into, into transition. There was one of Wenyon's blocks uh, later in the game was a similar type of thing, right? Where I think that that style of play is going to be something that we really uh, want to get into. And LeBron exploits those moments in ways that kind of give him rest. Like we had three rim runs at the very least from AD in the first half. Those, uh, the outlet pass, the cross court hit aheads, all of that. These are moments for where we can get really high value possessions and LeBron isn't really putting his foot on the gas. So I think in some ways what your, your observation about the, you know, standing in the corner, that's going to translate into a few different areas. And the idea is LeBron can pick his spots more than he could before where you don't have to have LeBron initiating the offense. And he can have a handful of plays where he's jogging free throw line to free throw line. That's something that as, as he gets into year 20, I think is going to be important. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's well said. So I want to get back to the center spot and ask you a bit about that. So now... The context all off season 
is how the Lakers started last year in terms of roster, right? With DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard and mm-hmm. what those guys weren't really able to provide as the season went on and kind of figured, okay, Damian Jones, you know, explosive athlete. We've seen him have some success catching lobs from LeBron. He made all of his shots, you know, defense, some, some questions and concerns there, which I think we'll, we'll bring up, especially in screen roll action uh, in this one. And then there's Thomas Bryant and only played, you know, under 40 games combined the last two years after the injury, but had flashed, you know, some potential as a shooter. And, but it was, let me, I guess the way I would frame it is there was some optimism that there would be because of their youth, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the, the varying skill sets uh, that that would be something of an upgrade on what the Lakers entered with last year. But these are also two vet minimum signings, right? And which is just for the center position means a little bit less than other positions because you can mm-hmm. get a cheap center. But in the overreaction type thing, and having just seen a few minutes, you know, there was not a, neither I thought stood out, even though I thought Brian had some decent team minutes mm-hmm. in that first half. But there's my little setup, or I guess sure. long setup for you <laughs> as to what you saw from the center spot and, and how you think that ends up resolving itself or just working out as the preseason goes on into the regular season. So, yeah, this is one of those places where I think there's a narrow path within the context of the team. And I want to start with TB because the units that that he was playing with were smaller groups. Now, I don't know how that's going to look, right? We're definitely overanalyzing one half of one preseason game. Definitely, definitely. Definitely, right? Yes, disclaimer, (laughs) disclaimer. Uh, uh, uh. But with the construction of the roster as it is, with as many guards as we have, there's a decent chance that our second unit especially is small. Like if this is the starting group, the one that we saw tonight, that's a decent sized starting group. Like Jones is a little bit, you know, light in the back pocket, you know, and none isn't the biggest guy, but overall that the size of the group is, is totally normal for by NBA standards. The place of the game, the part of the game where I think we could be especially small, small is the middle portion. And I think, that's why I think TB playing those minutes because he's a physical dude. He earned us a couple of extra possessions tonight. He got a couple free throws for himself. He finished through contact a couple of times. Uh, really, the one of the best uh, the best offensive play of the game was uh, inbound play, sideline inbound. Pat Bev comes up the zipper cut, gets the pass. Uh, Jones sets a down screen for LeBron who curls it, catches it in one motion, little pocket pass to TB. I'm sorry, not Jones, uh, to TB who rolls and then finishes through a nice rotation. But I think it was Harrison Barnes on that play. And like that looked beautiful. You know, there were a couple of flickers throughout this game that were really like, oh, that looked nice. And um, TB's contribution to that was, I think, being a big guy. We've talked about him so much, Mike, as this like, oh, he can space the floor. Right. But he's. Obviously yeah. the biggest dude on the team. And, right, and right. I think that's going to be important on this squad. So let's start with him. What do you see? Talk to me more about what you saw from TB. Well, I think that's a good place to start the, just the sort of size and activity. And you've talked about that throughout the summer. So LFR listeners are familiar, I think with, with uh, that point about Thomas Bryant and, and how much that's needed. I think the shooting, he's never had the most clean or pure stroke um, I don't think, but he he was able to get it to go in at a pretty good volume a couple and of years he, ago. And he wasn't like a, you know, I'm taking five threes a game type of no. guy, though, either. No, 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 certainly not. And and I also think that that part 
as as you guys may have heard before, gets a little bit overrated when we start to look at percentages <laughs> and especially at the lower attempts. But it's just more of the idea of it. And you get when you get a certain when you're on the scouting report and the other team, they're just going to look a little bit differently at Thomas Bryant in the perimeter than they are even that certainly than Damian Jones, your teams are going to be like, please go ahead um, as he did tonight. But Bryant, to me, he just needs some games, man. Like he needs there were some flashes, as you mentioned, but he just hasn't played consistent NBA basketball mm-hmm. for three years, basically. And yeah. and I think that that's that's I, I like him getting minutes and I like him continuing to evolve. And I, I just I'm hoping that he continues to stay healthy and he can find a, a rhythm, you know. And then Jones, on the other hand, I don't know if it was, you know, again, just preseason game number one, but maybe it's just the the lack of familiarity is part of it. A, a new system. Right. Like when he was here before and LeBron was out there, they were doing different stuff from what they're going to be doing under Darvin Ham. The spacing was a little bit different. The principles in terms of the four out one in and where he's supposed to run in transition. So I think he, too, needs some time to figure out how to how to evolve with the group. But it's just a I think it was a bit of a reality check today, you know, as a reminder, like, nope, Anthony Davis is obviously by far the best center mm-hmm. on this team, but, th- but he's not going to play there. And so these other guys are going to have to play some more. And I'm, I found myself like, all right, well, should we get a look at Jay Huff here, you know, and see, mm. so that, so let me, if I can, unless you have something you, you want to come back to on that, bury that just for a second, because you made sure. a point earlier that had me thinking. So we just haven't talked in a ton about this essentially six guards and how you can't play more than four, really. Uh-huh. And and we've just kind of baked in, well, oh, I don't know. I heard maybe Austin, you know, would have a chance to start. Like, there was that narrative for a little while. And now it seems like, well, none, especially with his shooting. And that, I think, is still the thing that's probably holding Austin back the most until he can get that to be more consistent in order to play with that starting group, especially. So, well, Pat, Patrick Beverly, if he's not starting, he's certainly playing off the bench. He's the first guy mm-hmm. that's going to. Dennis Schroeder. Right. When he comes in, I think would be expected to. And, and that's it. Like, that's four. Mm-hmm. And so do you play? Do you kind of try to play Beverly up as a wing and then you play Austin with that group? Well, what about Lonnie Walker? OK, well, right. hold on. We haven't even talked about Troy Brown Jr. yet. So as as the Lakers got deep into their bench tonight and you're you know, that's where you're playing Scotty Pippen Jr. Like that's not going to happen. But I'm Max Christie is not going to play like to start mm-hmm. the regular season. So you could probably get away with playing five guys, Pete. I'm just already intrigued by how that is going to play itself out in our early overreaction theater in which three of those guys (laughs) didn't even play. Right. So Austin, I'm worried that Austin's going to fill the THT fish out of water place where like, you know, there were reports and we saw some of this tonight, although functionally it's not that big of a difference but uh, talking about him playing the three spot you know and offensively in this offense it's different than last year Darvin's talked a lot about the difference between five out versus four out the five out setup you actually have less driving space to like actually have the driving lane in the in the four out you have more but if you're in one of those corner spots you're like think about Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and those kind of guys, DiVincenzo. Those are true like shooting guard type players. And they're not really 
Austin's more of a combo guard. I would argue that he's more of a one than he is as a two. And that's why watching these possessions where, and we're not even in the right setup for a lot of these where it's like Pat Bev <laughs> going to work. One of Darius's texts tonight was like, yo, Pat Bev is doing a lot right now. And he was right. But part of that is like, yo, like Austin needs to be assertive in that respect as well, because if he's just the guy who stands in the corner, like Lonnie Walker is going to be better at that than Austin is, because that's what Lonnie Walker does is he's that more off ball type of type of score, you know? And so that's one of my big concerns right now is that like Austin's a good player. And I think that we may be kind of fitting him into a role. That's that kind of fish out of water thing that happened with THT last year. Yeah. And that's the issue with, so like when Patrick Beverly is on the court, he believes, even if we've seen like that offensively, he's really more of a wing, or at least he should be. But mm-hmm. when he looks up there and he's thinking, oh, who am I on the court with? Well, I'm on the court with Austin Reeves. The guy's not getting the ball over me to initiate offense, you know? And and that's something when you watch film as a team, and this is, again, this is very speculative um, on, on my part, but you and I know that Austin is actually probably a better creator in that sense, but how do you get to the point where as a team you do, unless, you know, is Darvin Ham going to then say, well, no, you guys, it's just, it's a hard combo to have. And that same thing happens if you start Beverly and then put Westbrook on the bench, because then Westbrook is then the one that has the ball the whole time. And then Austin's off the ball again. And, you know, so that that's where, yeah, I'm, I think that we had, we have talked a lot about Austin um, all off season, but just thinking about, the dynamics of what the the other guards that he's going to be playing with. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to, I guess, just tap onto your point there and say, yeah, in, in not to be a, not as if it's a concern as if it's only about Austin. Right. But just because he was such a rare bright spot uh, last season and, and he's still like, he's still young in his career and all of this could change next preseason game. Um, it's just that was that was one thing that stood out, though, for sure. Yeah, just in that whole blink first impression idea. And really, it's it's all about assertiveness. He's got the game to be able to do it. And we see when he's aggressive offensively and with the ball in his hands that he can create. And so, yeah, but that if there's a deferential because it's not just all like this style of basketball. And, and one of the things that we did well earlier in the game is like really anybody can have the ball. All of the shots, all of the spots are interchangeable and you can get downhill and attack. If you got the ball in an advantageous position, go to work and you just can't defer naturally to everyone else or else you're going to get lost. Yeah. It's, it's a North South type of a yeah, system, right? It's exactly. not, it's not East West. Like it's, it's, it's all designed and, and Ham spoke about this and he thought that Westbrook actually did a pretty good job of this early, which he did uh, where like, if you get the ball, it can't be dribble, dribble. It's gotta be like, take the angle to the rim. Mm-hmm. And if that's not there, then, then kick it or drive and kick on. and drive and kick and drive. Yeah. And kick. I yep. mean, that's, that's how it's all designed. And, and but it, it is a chain breaker if you have somebody out there and we saw that, you know, not that Scotty Pippen jr. Is supposed to, get this but he started just kind of going iso point guard attacks right and at that point it was just all broken down anyway yeah and so let's yeah let's just let's not even to get back to guys that might a guy that i wasn't sure that i had plugged in um but i'm more curious about now is Wendy and gabriel just given what the other needs are in the team and once everybody gets back right the spot that could be available there um is kind of the 
back up anywhere three to five. And this is, again, if they're playing three guys, well, it becomes the four or five. And mm-hmm. then is if if they're for sure going to play Bryant in that context, then that basically means it's Juan Toscano-Anderson and Wendy Gabriel, right, battling for that spot, if not Cole Swider, uh, right, for, uh, certainly on offense. And that that's where you get the shooting mm-hmm. out of him. But the, the length and the activity of Gabriel – relative to you know what JTA brings to the table is interesting to me and something that I'm going to be paying attention to in the next couple of games because I think that we we have to give some real credence to the idea that Gabriel you know could earn himself some real minutes there I think I I think that he's the he's really the only other big that we haven't talked about it's funny I was watching the game tonight going like I forgot how much I liked Wenyon in Wenyon's game and just what he can contribute. He, you know, get, I, I think that him at the fourth spot and JTA the three is probably your most credible defensive bench group. Like they're going to get deflections. They're going to get blocks. They're going to make the right rotation. I really liked uh, JTA's defense and his versatility as somebody who can guard on the ball, but he's also like hedging on pick and rolls and knows what to do there. Just kind of yeah. this like all purpose defender where like both of them give you, give you kind of the most credible defensive group that still has a decent amount of size well i guess as you say that then what you're what we're really saying is that no it's not going to be three guards in the second unit right so it's mm-hmm. not going to be Schroeder and beverly and reeves it's going to mm-hmm. be two of those three and right now maybe it's beverly and Schroeder. um mm-hmm. and and then it's going to be jta and gabriel and thomas bryant and if lonnie walker comes in and and maybe he takes some of those minutes Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or but there there's going to be that 11th guy. Uh, and in this again, this is yet we yet to see what Troy Brown, who's got a little bit more of that positional size that we'd like to talk about. And shout out Bill Burka. So a lot of questions, Pete, um, as as well, there should be at this stage of the preseason. But um, that that one as to how you want to structure your second unit, if we're just accepting that this is the first unit and maybe on the next pod. Uh, we can spend a little bit more time on that as well, uh, because I, I think that like Darvin seems to like that group, and I don't think mm-hmm. he saw anything in today's game that would make him think, "Oh no, that's definitely not going to work." I got to switch it up for the next mm-hmm. one. But that's that becomes interesting right there, then, because that's how you get that's how you sort of get stuck into whatever you're doing, and yep. and I don't know if that leads them to the promised land, but I get it. Like I get why he would think that that group, um, you know acquitted itself fine which which they did it's always a mix between giving a group enough time to get reps in that's been one of the themes of the stars when you listen to them talk about like all the questions about oh how do you get the big three to play together all of them are saying hey we need reps and i think that's especially true when the talents aren't necessarily natural you know peanut butter and jelly type of fits you gotta you gotta figure out certain circumstances oh let's do this on that uh, when the defense is in this coverage and that coverage and so i think that there's always that push and pull from a coach's perspective of how much time do I give a, a group of guys to gel and to figure those things out versus on a team where there's so many options, Mike, what maybe I didn't choose the correct choice exactly on every single part of my rotation from day one. So the last two coaches, right, uh, Luke Walton, his thing was 10 games. He liked it. That was kind of the way that he organized where, all right, I'm going to give it's a long enough time period where I can really take some things out of it. And then there was Frank Vogel last year 
and just the pressure that that team was under and the circumstances made it seem like it was almost like half to half, right? Where they would mm-hmm. be. And, and I don't think that was, that's not ideal for Frank. That's just the situation that he felt last year's team was in. And I think at times to his own detriment where there were, where there were periods where it was like, just stick with this group, even though it's not working. Um, but those were not circumstances I think that he could fully control. And so sure. I got some of that, but and I don't know what Darvin Ham's threshold is yet, right? I, there have been I've asked him some questions about this, but since this was preseason game number one, right? There's not there's not anything to even go back to, um, mm-hmm. and and that's that's going to be to me the curious part. So is he a guy early in the season that wants to just see groups and he can tell after a half, or is he going to just pick whoever's played the best in the role that he has set out and stick w- with it for a little bit? And mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. And, uh, but it's an important question, right? And one that I think we need to find out because that's going to dictate how a lot of these, these positional quote unquote battles end up playing out. For sure. That's part of the fun of watching all of this, this unfold. I've been very excited about a lot of the things I've seen uh, specifically X's and O's wise from, from Darwin. And we'll get into a ton of, you know, all that stuff where I think we're going to do more like breakdown stuff on the pod this year. And, you know, hopefully getting everyone's level of fluency on the offense and the defense up, uh, you know, as high as we can. Um, super excited though. Basketball is back, even though we lost by freaking 30. It was fun, especially that that first half, and I think that gave us little flickers of what could be. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk uh, more about it. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little talk to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.